Let's go to uh, Brett Baer, uh, Martha McCallum, uh, Martha McCallum, uh, Martha McCallum, uh, Martha McCallum. The Fox News decision desk can now project that former Vice President Joe Biden will win Pennsylvania and Nevada, putting him over the 270 electoral votes he needs to become the 46th president of the United States. Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States, will be denied a second term. That has not happened since 1992 and President George H.W. Bush. Welcome to Let's Not Talk About Thrones, the show where Jenny, Richard, and I talk about something other than the Game of Thrones show we talked about for, seems like, years, and then we're ultimately disappointed by. Um, I'm just going to (laughs) start off by saying, Richard, how are you? I am well. I am feeling better than I have in a while, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Um, I'm also tired and smelly, and I desperately need a shower because I've been doing like a project around the house for the last 48 hours. So, And Jenny, have you had a shower in the last 48 hours? Because apparently Richard forgot. Yeah, I did, <laughs> but only because I yarked last night like a champ. <laughs> I, mean, I don't even know what that is, and I'm scared to ask. <laughs> it threw up. I'm thinking she celebrated too much. Oh, it's such a sad story that has nothing to do with alcohol, but uh, we'll get there in a second. Okay. Oh, man. Um, Okay, so we are recording this on the 8th of November, 2020, just to put a little perspective in people's minds. We we wanted to do this show so that we could talk about major events, and then we're going to try to do some filler stuff that hasn't happened yet because life... Uh, but this is a major event. We are all sitting here on our election hangover. Ooh, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's at least semi-official that Donald Trump has lost. I think that's the more, most important part of it. And then also, in in reverse of that, Joe Biden won, which mm-hmm. uh, to me, and I guess we'll just get into it, that matters less than the fact that Donald Trump lost. Mm-hmm. So much less. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I'm happy for the Bidens. I'm happy for, you know, the Democratic Party and all that other stuff like that. That's cool. But I'm just happy that Donald Trump has 73 days left in office. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I My counter that used to mark how many days until the election on my whiteboard now marks how many days until inauguration. Mm-hmm. Do you like how the whole world, like literally the whole world was like, yup, this happened. Ring the bells in Paris, ring the bells in Germany, put off the fireworks in London. Every world leader congratulates Joe Biden and the president is still somewhere in the White House going, count the votes. <laughs> yeah. Like, and not well, to mention everybody pouring out onto the streets of major cities. So, yeah. Yep. 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 And I love that the announcement came, I believe, almost exactly at the same time that Trump's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, was Mm. having a press conference next to an adult bookstore in Philadelphia. I mean, the Four Seasons or Four Season Landscaping uh, Service. Uh, took quite a spin on Twitter yesterday. And that adult <laughs> bookstore, by the way, was like, you guys, we sell romance novels. <laughs> they, I think they're not a dildo shop and not a, an adult bookstore. Like, I think they actually are like 
a niche bookstore that sells a lot of different kinds of cool stuff. So uh, I I feel like they uh, they certainly got their moment in the sun. Their accuracy did not run high yesterday when it came to the Four Seasons because also it wasn't actually they weren't actually trying to book the Four Seasons. They really meant to book that dinky ass place, uh, but they miscommunicated to the president who thought he was going to be at the Four Seasons. So it was like <laughs> that's where that thing came from. But it was just like a hilarious little furball of bad information. I, loved it. I, I find it, it, it there's there's going to be books out about the Trump presidency, and for years, and somewhere along the lines, uh, forty years from now, some grad student is going to be doing a dissertation on you know doing a whole thing on it, like tearing it tearing the, the Trump presidency apart for for some important paper, and they're going to get to the chapter where Rudy Giuliani was at the Four Seasons landscaping, and they're not going to believe it, and they're going to try to cross reference about 15 different times, and it's going to be the, that one stumbling block that that student is not going to be able to get over without laughing every time they're reading every their paper. Time. Oh, every yeah. time. It's just oh, like yeah. this um, ironic speed blo- roadblock in the middle of the, st- right at the end of the story. It's beautiful. Okay, so I want to, let's go back. Let's go back a little bit. How did everyone here vote? Not like who they voted for, but like how, what method did you use? And uh, when did you vote? Hmm. Uh, so, I voted as soon as I could get my mail-in ballot mm-hmm. and I delivered it directly to the election, um, whatever they are, the election council in the district where I live. So I was leaving this up to no chances mm-hmm. that my ballot was getting in. And I also, in my state, have the ability to track it and I confirmed that it was received and counted. Okay. Anthony? I voted at the municipality library, the Wasilla Library, on the Saturday prior to Election Day. And did so in person, stood, stood in the lines, all the stuff, so, because I didn't want to leave the house on Election Day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, I voted, the people that I knew I voted specifically for them, which happened to mostly, I guess, all lie on the same side. Um, and then the people that I didn't know, my methodology was to pick the uh, the names that were least common in my personal vernacular. So, so if it was a, a woman, if the name indicated femininity or indicated that they were not uh, average schmo from Midwest America they were top of my picks and that's how I picked all the judges and everything else. I picked the, the people with the most obscure names, especially if they were, uh, if they seemed female by name. I love that. Can I, can I like just have an add on to that? Because I took a similar approach for judges who I could not find anything out about their background and couldn't determine. And these are all local people like the federal people. That was easy. State people. Fairly straightforward, but the local stuff was really difficult because I didn't know anybody. So if I didn't know people, then my approach was I voted against the older white male. Yeah. Yeah. That was basically my position. Now, every once in a while, that will that that sort of a thing will burn you because there'll be some if you have one leaning, there'll be someone you think is a woman, but is actually not aligned with 
my personal womanly values. So like right, right. Matt and I had to go deeper because there was one time where we were like, um, or for example, like in Los Angeles, Jackie Lacey is a black woman and you would be like, well, I'm voting for Jackie Lacey, but actually there's some somewhat troubling history involving things that were too complicated for me to talk about on this podcast. But it ended up that a lot of people ended up voting against her because they felt she didn't reflect their values. So like yeah. sometimes that all works and sometimes it doesn't, which is why on election. Well, so first of all, we Matt, me and my friend Katie, we all voted like a week before the election at the Hollywood bowl, the home of John Williams plays his hits and all sorts <laughs> of awesome rock concerts. And just that's really cool. Fantastic place. We all went up. We waited about 45 minutes. It was the first day. And we just like voted our little brains out. And then we went and got at pancakes and that was really great. Um, and then, uh, uh, but yeah, we did the research, like we have three different sources of places where we go for stuff like that, where we don't have a strong opinion that keep us from like accidentally voting for some 55% of white woman lady who we definitely didn't want to vote for. Yep. Uh, so that was our voting process. Election day. How was everyone's election day, Richard? How was your election day? My election day was actually kind of crazy because I had client meetings. And so, you know, I just, I started the meeting just saying, okay, we're going to try and make this fast because I know everybody's really stressed today. Yep. <laughs> and, and everybody was in agreement. And I ended up basically kind of putting in a pretty full day because there wasn't a whole lot to distract you on election day itself. Mm -hmm. And I'm really glad about that because I was very worried about the possibility of disruption at election locations and stuff like that. And, and I'm really happy that we didn't see anything major there. And then election night, I'm watching stuff come in and I knew it wasn't going to be over. I knew there was a, a, a still a chance that we'd be able to see Trump defeated. It worked exactly. It worked exactly as all of the pundits said it would mm -hmm. in terms of how they ran the numbers and how the votes were going to come in. And so I was comfortable just giving up. And at midnight, I went to bed. I'm like, yeah. you know, I don't see the point in staying up because they're not going to call this tonight. Yeah. Uh, Anthony, you have an hour on me in terms of staying and watching. Did you participate in the watching of the uh, states flipping? And what was your mood throughout the night when you saw certain states? Um, I I produced DTNS all last week. Mm -hmm. So at the end of DTNS during the post show, I broke out the um, Tawny Porto <laughs> and began my drinking. Mm -hmm. uh, and basically sat in other than other than producing DTNS and helping the kids with getting to school. I have been in this office with I have three screens and each one of them had half a screen and I had everything from uh, Sling TV on one window, the Internet uh, interface for Sling TV on, on the other half of that that screen. So I was watching MSNBC and um, CNN, and then I had Fox News up on, on half a screen. I had 538 on two halves of two screens. 
And then on the other side, I had just general stuff that I was looking up as they were talking about things to look up specific information on you know a particular state. I had my uh, my forecast out with all the odds, and I was mapping it through as I was going along. And that's basically how I spent the last week until yesterday morning when I woke up late and happened to miss the actual announcement. So- <laughs> 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 that's the perfect my, end oh to God. that whole experience. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, that's a lot. And then you missed the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I woke uh, up and saw it by tweet, which was not oh. ideal. Oh, Jenny, <laughs> how about you? What, what has your week looked like well, in election really, day itself? We had a really interesting election day because, uh, so we woke up and, you know, we'd already voted and my plan was just, just, you know, work and, and get stuff done. And, then I came across this tweet that pissed off my whole family. <laughs> First of all, let me say it out loud so I don't get two-factor authentication spammed to death by people. Um, <laughs> uh, that I believe you can vote for whoever you want to vote for. That's just a baseline. Like You can vote for whoever you want to vote for. My issue with this tweet that I saw was, look, you're either going to tell people who you voted for or you're not going to tell people who you're voted for. And both of those choices are fine. But if you're going to be a hugely influential person in a circle of listeners and followers, and like you have this many people following you on Twitter, like, why would you tell people that you like made a choice that was like, I don't think, you know, voting is important when people from all over the country and the world follow you on the day people are still voting. You want to tell people the day after fine. Tell and, he positions himself as something of a political pundit. Right. So you either, if you are a political pundit and you're saying, look, I'm just not going to tell you who I voted for, or I'm just not going to vote because objectivity, which is an outdated concept anyway, which I could spend an hour on, uh, like pick one or the other, but don't just say like, I mock your political process. People standing in line for 11 hours in Georgia by voting for my mom. Like, again, anyone can vote who they want for. This isn't the issue. But it's an issue of influence, and it's an issue of, like, a- and it's just an issue of responsibility. Like, you didn't see anyone else saying who they voted for, even though you might guess that some of it was pretty obvious. Like, because they don't want to influence a process, or you do want to influence a process, and then you say who you voted for, because it matters that you get other people to vote for that person. It's one or the other. You don't get to flush down the middle in the fascist election anyway so we were pretty like shocked by that and i guess like there's some complicated explanation on some three-hour podcast somewhere that says why that happened and everybody felt like it was a pretty good reason and that's fine i don't know it i only view this reality through twitter so like my other beef and this is getting to a point is that uh a podcast, I thought about this a lot, a podcast audience, a core podcast audience. So let's just say a thousand people. Let's just imagine it's an X thousand people and a Twitter audience of 30,000 people are two totally separate audiences. They overlap maybe by a thousand people. Mm-hmm. Right. So you just went and gave a nuanced explanation to your podcast audience, but you gave a completely unnuanced and out of the blue explanation to your much larger audience. Hi, have we all been to media communications classes? Don't do that. So anyway, we were so mad <laughs> that we made uh, this. This is the history that goes back. 
there was a nerdtacular where Matt Flanagan showed up one time and sat on one of the trivia panels. Mm-hmm. And Brian Ibbett had a whole category of trivia that was all about David Letterman. And that was a problem because Matt was on a team and he had worked on the late show with David Letterman. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's the backstory that every six months is something about Matt Flanagan and David Letterman. It's funny. It's all funny. So we made a top 10 list of why that guy was dumb for voting for his mom and put it out there. And uh, that was how we spent election day because we were so anxious that we just decided to pick on someone. (laughs) There you go. That was our election day. I kind of love that. Yeah, it was Matt. Matt did it. It's his, it was his comedy writing. I was merely the vessel through which this anger flowed on Twitter. And then of course, Brian's brother died and we took it the fuck down. So Mm. Brian Brushwood's brother. So yeah. I was just like, this oh. is the mood for lighthearted comedy jabs. Yeah, Jay uh, Brushwood died. Yeah, <clears throat> the it's really, really sad. The day uh, on on election day, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. It was terrible. Like, and and I could tell later from the tweets that, like, I don't know. It was just like one of those things where I was like, okay, human well, considerations. Uh, yeah, Ooh, and, and part yeah. of the problem there was that. The the delivery of Brian's message on Twitter that his brother had died was some some say he was responding to a troll. I didn't understand why that response to that troll was. I I don't quite get this the sociology of it, um, but I know that it's not how he wanted to deliver the news to people, and but it came out anyway. And if you ever met Jay, I met him twice at two uh, South Bys at the Diamond Club stuff at South By. The dude was hilarious. He it made everyone in the room smile and laugh along with him, and it's just sad to see that his demons caught up with him and he you yeah. know he couldn't couldn't he didn't make it through, um yeah and and that that yeah, J- <laughs> well, I'm not gonna say that here, um yeah it's 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 been a sad week we've had a lot of a lot of deaths and one phoenix rising so it's uh, how do you balance that yeah. out in in your mentality like it's kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. So Jenny, the rest of your week, I mean, how did you end up finding out? What have you been doing this week? Have you been completely unproductive all week long as I have largely been because all I could do was bring up the news like every 15 minutes? A lot of nodding on this audio podcast. A <laughs> lot of nodding. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we were completely unproductive. I did as much as I needed to for work, but not much else. Like, uh, we were, Matt and I each have a couch now, which didn't always used to be the case. Like, and so we were just like basically comatose on these couches, like feeding MSNBC into our brains, which is not a great thing, but sometimes you just have to stick with the graphics, you know, like, let alone anything else. You're just like, I understand these graphics. I understand the Kornacki mappy, like (laughs) end of story. Uh, and if you switch too often, it gets confusing. So, uh, we did that for four days. Every night we were like, I think time is going to be cold. And it wasn't. And we would go to bed like I had dreams about CBS News. Like it was so bad. And then uh, Matt was up at like 430 in the morning on Saturday. I I woke up at around 745, stumbled out, like sat down on a couch. And we were watching on MSNBC. It was, of all people, Joe Scarborough, a has just left Kornacki, was about to go to John Meacham, the historian, and then they interrupted, Joe Scarborough interrupted himself to basically say, well, we've called it. It's Joe Biden will be the 46th president of the United States. And we were like, what? 
Like we <laughs> totally were like, and then literally started Matt, like put on shorts because he was in his boxers, opened up the door and went, yes, <laughs> screamed at the top of his lungs. And then some neighbor somewhere shouted out, did it happen? And Matt went, yes. And the guy said, thank you. <laughs> and then we heard like a little bit of applause. It was early here. It's like old school then, tweets. Like, about, <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of tweets, a lot of texting, a lot of excitement. And then all of a sudden, uh, my uh, neighbor came down with champagne. Uh, and her husband came down. We, we all just sort of like, they were outside, we were inside and we just toasted champagne to like the escape of fascism by the skin of our teeth, even though we haven't really escaped it and that fight's not over. Mm. Right. And, but we have put a pin in it for today. That was my take. Yep. And then we went to the farmer's market where I used to have my office and we, uh, met up with Matt's cousin and her baby and, uh, my friend Katie. And we all just, then Katie and Matt wanted to like find people. And so we ran to Pan Pacific Park because that had been the site of some protests in the past. But there was nobody there because it was like 930 in the morning. Nobody wakes up here at that time. And so we just like banged a bunch of things all around running around Pan Pacific Park going, yay. So anyway, I came back, took a nap because I'd eaten. And this is important. I'd started the day with champagne and three donuts. So just keep mm. that in mind. Then I ate nothing all day. Then and I mean champagne, like I had three sips of champagne. So then we woke up from our little naps and Matt was like, I need to go find something. And I knew that people were waving and cheering on Santa Monica Boulevard. So we get in the car, we leave Jax behind because he would have been stressed out. Get in the car. And Santa Monica Boulevard has turned into, literally Santa Monica Boulevard is the end of Route 66. Like that's what, it's a historic road, even though it's just Santa Monica Boulevard. And this is in like the grungy, you know, east side of L.A., and we're driving and people on both sides of the street are just eh, eh, honking their horns, screaming. People are sitting on the edge of their window, like screaming and holding up signs. There's people in the sunroofs going Woo! like it was nothing I've ever seen. I've never seen like it was the end of a war and it got more and more intense as you went into the traditionally um, super gay part of West Hollywood that has like all the bars and mm -hmm. all the lights and all the very beautiful men and like, it just got wilder and wilder and wilder. And like, we didn't see them, but like Chrissy Teigen and John legend were there like driving through, like they were the King and the queen of Los Angeles resistance, which sort of, they kind of were. And like, it was so beautiful. And there were just like, uh, I can't convey it. Like there were people like, on the sidewalk, waving flags out of windows, like, and Matt and I were just playing music and screaming at the top of our lungs. There were people like dancing in the streets because the cars could only go like no miles an hour. And like, <laughs> it was so overwhelming. And then we came home and we ordered food because I was starving. I had a cheesesteak, a Philly cheesesteak, which, and, um, uh, nice. and mozzarella sticks and tater tots and a Coca Cola and a seltzer and a water. And then we watched Saturday Night Live. And that monologue by Dave Chappelle was so good. And then the sketch after it was so funny. The one about uh, retire watch these. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No so the sketch after it was so funny and so like, like laugh out loud, stupid goofball funny that I was like, Oh no. And I ran into the bathroom and I fucking threw up four years of Donald Trump. <laughs> into the bathroom. <laughs> And that was my, uh, that was my Saturday. <laughs> 
So, but anyway, there, no, there, no, there, no, there, no. That is brilliant. Oh my gosh. Oh no, I, I, yep. I, I knew it was going to be good, so I made sure that the DVR was set on my, uh, on my Plex. And my daughter and I, uh, we watched The Queen's Gambit last night to kind of wash, wash things away. I keep hearing about that. It's I heard about it just this last week. Then my wife went and said, "Yeah, I watched it at the gym tonight. It's pretty good. You should probably watch it. I think you would like it." So I sat down with my daughter and we watched the first four episodes of a seven-part series. And we were finally like, "Well, okay, it's one o'clock in the morning. We got to go to bed." Yeah, I don't know anything about this. What what except that they're advertising the hell out of it on my Netflix home screen. Just 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 watch it. Just watch oh, it. Oh come on! I mean, I have to have a reason to watch it. I a, have to have a, a, an an orphan girl is a chess savant, and it doesn't just go through her battles on the, the the chess board. It goes through her battles in life and how they mirror the battles on the chess board. And it's almost a biography, a, a a self narrated biography, but not an autobiography. It's 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 got this great. It's it's pretty good. Hmm. Maybe I'm better off not having known because that doesn't sound interesting at all. So right, but, I don't know. but this is one of those things. It's not the subject matter; it's the execution. It's if you if you can appreciate art, you'll love it, and if you can appreciate a very good, detailed, nuanced perspective, you you'll enjoy it. Hmm. It's less cool. about chess than I thought it would be, which was less interesting. But the the way that they've done it is just phenomenal. I will be finishing it today. So did you go out at all yesterday then? I went to Costco. <laughs> how is it at the Wasilla Costco? How is how are people taking Well, you guys don't know the results of your election yet. No. Well, no, we're we're still pending because we we can't count apparently. Mm-hmm. Um like it's but it's it was a foregone conclusion from the beginning. There's there's Markowski. a uh, no, she's not up this time. I didn't get to vote against her this time. Uh, I got to vote against okay. Dan Sullivan this time. Oh. Uh, which, if you're looking at the Voltron of Trumpism, he's the right hip. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. Um, so, but that guy, the, his his uh, opponent isn't going to win, right? No, Al Gross. No, he he's getting uh, it, it, the the voting. The electorate here is getting slowly bluer, but this time that ended up being about a thirty three, thirty five percent. Whereas last time it was a 22%. So we got a couple mm-hmm. years left before we actually make it competitive up here. Got it. Well, again, once again, Texas pulled the rug out from under us and or voter suppression. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, but can we just say for a minute how amazing it is that it was as close yeah. as it was? Yeah. Because holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. It's less that Texas pulled the rug out from under us than everybody always puts unrealistic beliefs and expectations on Texas. They're like, we're going to turn it blue for like the last 40 years. Like, no, you're not, but you're going to get close. And someday you will, but not today. Yeah. I still believe that one action would have made that happen. And that is for the Bush family to have come out and endorsed Biden. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would have made a huge difference in turning that state. Well, well, G-Dub did in an offhanded way. He didn't provide his endorsement, but he did provide good comments about Biden and bad comments about Trump. So, but it wasn't an endorsement. It wasn't like, yeah, I want, I would have chose, I would choose this guy for you. It was, I mean, that guy's better than that guy, you know? 
So it was like a half, yeah. just just like everything G Dub did, it was a half ass endorsement, is what it was. Right. It's Cindy McCain came out and actually campaigned, like did virtual campaign events. Right. So yeah. that's a that's a commitment. And uh, you know, also uh, they did a really great job organizing native votes throughout the Southwest. Oh holy huge. crap. Holy crap. Something like ninety-seven percent of the the votes were for Biden. I mean, yeah. that's just phenomenal. That is seriously organizing. Yeah. I, and and that's the story of the election is if you grassroots organize, like this is always the same. It's always been the same. If you give grassroots organizers, people that are organizing when no one is paying attention, but they're doing it anyway, if you funnel the money to them, it will make a difference. And if you don't, if you, you know, uh, look, I, uh, I'm not going to get into Nancy Pelosi just yet, but I, I, I have tried very long to not fall into the trap of um, being mean to Nancy Pelosi because she's a powerful woman and actually assessing what she does. But like, there is a huge split between Democrats who uh, work at a big, powerful money level and those who grassroots organize. And that difference, the, the lines of communication there, that's the majority in our country. If we could just figure it out, yeah. right, yep. and work in sync instead of in opposition, then places where progressives can win can do that. And places where only you know moderates to conservative democrats can win could do that like it's just not that hard except apparently it is really hard well the people the people that have been getting the money don't want to give up their money and the people that never got the money don't know what they're missing so they're willing to stay where they are and i think as long as we have figures like i i tell you what all of that grassroots uh uh local money no big money kind of thing in the in the the liberal side of the spectrum the the moment AOC takes any kind of major contribution from any major corporation or anything else, all that falls apart because she's like the linchpin on that whole process. She's holding all of it together. Yeah, but like, I, I don't know. I, I think the Georgia elections will give us in stark relief an example of how this is either is or is not going to work because look now there's no more other races like everybody's going to try to get involved in the georgia race and the yep. georgia money but they shouldn't they should just send the money to the people that just flipped georgia mm -hmm. and stay the f out of it because there yep. is nothing worse than the concept of a bunch of carpet bagging corporate democrats coming down to like say we know how to win this election like mm -mm, don't <laughs> no. do that you, you know Not with two months left you know who know who knows how to win it stacy abrams stacy abrams who i like, interviewed right. by the way, and she's awesome oh yeah she's she 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 faced a, a corrupt loss i think we, i think i don't think yeah. we're going on a limb by saying that even no. even if you're on even if you're a Republican, you got to kind of say, yeah, she kind of got squandered out of that. Um, instead of just fading away, she ramped it up, and what ninety was it ninety two percent of the black female vote in Georgia went to Biden, and they came out in record numbers. Like it was, like she did her job. You yeah. know what I mean? She she did it. She did not go for a walk in the woods. <clears throat> no. Put it that way. Um. Now, what do you guys think is going to happen, though? I mean, if you if you had to put your projection hat on, do you think well, the, can, George is going to? Oh, with Georgia. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. 
I, I thought we were like in the next no. 73 days. I don't no. want to think about it. Uh, I, I already, I, I, I've, I've already put on Twitter what I think is going to happen in the next 73 days. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, Georgia. No, I totally think we're going to take Georgia. I think they're going to end up doing a recount. I think they're going to find that it is still in Biden's favor. It's going to be enormously slim, the margin, I believe. Mm-hmm. And the Republican, uh, well, not, I mean, Republicans, it's not fair to say Republicans at large, but those who are fighting the election in the Republican Party will continue to claim that it was fraudulent. Trumplicans. Trumplicans. (laughs) Now, how do you, Um, how do you think that translates to the runoff in January? They could still be counting the one election while doing the other. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I think. (laughs) <laughs> then things are going to get really fucking confusing. <laughs> like, can you imagine? Uh, I think that uh, I think that it's a standard recount, not a Florida recount, right? Like, but I don't know enough about it to go into great detail. But I think we're all going to learn a lot about it in the next two months. Um, yeah. oh, but yeah. to answer your other question, the question I want to know is about Arizona, because here's a fascinating thing that nobody seems to have picked up on. So networks don't just call things based on their own data. They all hire companies or have like sub companies that go out and do the exit polling, uh, companies that do like data analysis on, on past elections and provide recommendations. And so the situation with Arizona is basically that Fox and AP called it that night, which provided a huge boost to the Democrats, right? Yep. And really pissed off the Trump campaign. And it wasn't even enough of the votes counted, but they were so confident that they called it. Now, no other network or anyone called it that night and didn't call it for days and days and days. And as it turns out, Fox and AP, and I saw this on Pointer. This isn't from some weird thing. This is like the Pointer org that funds a bunch of journalists, and it's like really a very well-respected journalism site. There was an article that basically said that both Fox and AP had switched from the exit polling that other networks did and went to something called VoteCast. So Fox and AP, the two people that called Arizona, have a different method of collecting data about the elections than someone's right and someone's wrong. And I don't know who it is or someone's was right way ahead of time and everyone will be right later. But um, it was really fascinating to me that like, that's the split. That's why those two orgs went with it because they literally were using a different system. So I'm curious about Arizona. I was anxious about it before and now I'm just curious. Yeah. I mean, I think he will maintain it. I think the margin is going to get lower but I think he will maintain it. Interestingly, CNN still has not called Arizona. No, and they won't until every scrap of paper that counts as a vote is counted. Yeah, yeah they were, they were saying close. 95.5% mathematical impossibility yeah. or something like that. It's like, I mean, I, I, I broke out the spreadsheet. I started doing some numbers. I started crunching some things myself. And I spent a couple hours on it, like I was just watching the news, right? I had nothing better to. So I started. I mean, I, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a data whore. Like I love data. Like it's, it's what I, you know, it's one of the things. And I couldn't figure out the formulas to make it to where it actually seemed legitimate. So I can only imagine. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a math scientist. Like I am not a. That's not me. But with my, you know, general algebraic knowledge, I couldn't figure out a good formula to to, to forecast stuff and. 
Right. It might have been the wine. It might have just been the math. I don't know. <laughs> but it's a complicated business either way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that's why who <clears throat> who's crunching the data has such importance. So anyway, we'll see. But um, yeah, in I answer think... to your broader question, what's going to happen over the next 70-something days, the answer is as much, very little that will, will happen that will matter in terms of the election. Like there'll be a lot of sound and fury, but it will ultimately signify nothing. They would really have to just get the Supreme Court involved on some insane level, which I don't think the court really wants to do because it's still smarting from Bush v. Gore. Mm -hmm. Even if it's in its current makeup, I just don't think that the appetite is there for it. And there's no sense that it's necessary. So why would the court insert like the court is a measure of last resort when it comes to elections and they should be treated as such. And I think John Roberts is in no hurry to get in, go down that path. Oh, Roberts was on the court in 2000, right? Yep. So he he was pretty new. Yeah. So that's like one of the first major things that happened. And he's really held the court in check on being political since then. Even, even when it goes against his personal beliefs, like he's he's really been the, the anchor, although that the, the ship has tilted one way more than the other by a good yeah. margin now. But, um, but yeah, that'll, I don't, I, so I, I, I dread think, saying that they won't get involved, but I would like yeah. to think that they wouldn't. I, I think they'll get involved to the minimum amount that they could possibly get involved, uh, which is to say, here, you know, if someone files emergency. Uh, applications with them, they'll they'll look at them, they'll provide an answer, but they don't want to get involved substantially. And I think that that will hold. I think in terms of what the president will do, this is so complicated because this guy doesn't want to be president. He, he just doesn't want to go to jail. Right, right. That's what I said in my tweet. He's facing personal bankruptcy again. He's facing prison time and he's facing, you know, the general knowledge that he was a fraud from the beginning and all of that, yeah, so, all that comes crashing down the second he's not in office. All right. right. So I want to, I want to go through a scenario because this is something that a lot of people have been um, throwing out there. The idea that he might leave the office prior to the end of the term, which would put Pence in place and give Pence the opportunity to pardon him. Can that even work? How do Only you pardon at the someone? Level. Yeah, but yeah. how do you pardon someone who has no charges before them yet? It, that, that's exactly what happened in Nixon. He was pardoned of all charges, including pending charges for for eternity for all the actions reg- relating to Watergate. Yep. That's uh-huh. that, that's exactly what happened. That precedent has already been set, so it can happen. Um, Except that you still have SDNU to deal with. Yes. SDNY, yeah. SDNY. SDNY. Yes. Uh, And that's that's the big thing is as long as they still maintain state charges, and I think this is why they haven't pursued anything else, like everything's kind of been on hold, because as soon as they elevate it to the federal level, they give up up their their right to to do it. Um, But you still have, I mean, there's, there's still no definitive answer on whether Trump can just pardon himself. You know, like it seems obvious that no, you shouldn't be able to do that, but there's no legal precedent to it. And it's, it's a very, very big, very messy situation just in general. Yeah. So 
Fortunately, there's a podcast that will deal with that, and we don't have to. Uh, <laughs> so true. Um. So, yeah. So that's my take: is that like there'll be a lot of sound and fury. The best thing we could do is just not listen to the guy. Uh, they need to fumigate the White House. They need to repaint. They need to open the windows for five days. They need to get a religious official from every religion represented in the United States to come in and bless that place hmm. before anyone moves in. And they need to take out the gold toilet or whatever. Absolutely take out the gold uh, toilet. I mean, come on. I, I mean, uh, let's just be honest. The White House is kind of small for what it is. Maybe it's time to keep the keystone and just rebuild. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's been All done right. before. Big glass monstrosity? Yeah, it's been done before. Glass monstrosity? Like. <laughs> so let's let's play through another scenario. Another thing that people are talking about is the possibility that he will refuse to leave the office. Doesn't matter. Doesn't well, right. It doesn't matter. So one of my favorite uh, commentator comments on that, and I wish I could remember who it was. I think it was someone on CNN. I don't even know if it was CNN was basically saying doesn't matter if Trump leaves the white house or not, Biden can be president from the four seasons if he wants to. Yeah. The or bottom the line is he's the president. <laughs> that's funny. I hadn't even, that's funny. But that's uh, absolutely true. Like, can you imagine an inauguration address from that spot right there? <laughs> <laughs> The presidency is a title and a set of powers and not a location. And I think that's important to remember. But also, like, look, they're just going to say, like, here, you can go back to Mar-a-Lago and be a king in a small subset of people for the rest of your life. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and along those lines, you have to imagine it is just chapping Trump's ass that Biden is now under protection. Oh yeah. Well, that was Officially. the first sign, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he's, he's been, he's been under a light detail since he was officially chosen as the nominee the candidate. Yeah. But he uh, got a lot more and he got the protected airspace. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like it's Biden is back on it, baby. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and also I think, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't spend a day or two or three talking about Kamala Harris uh, <laughs> because uh, she knocked down like enough firsts in her vice presidency yep. to literally win at bowling. Like she has <laughs> so many firsts attached yep. to her and her family. Like it blows my mind. Like I haven't even had a chance to process yet that there will be a woman in the second highest office in the land, let alone a black woman, let alone a woman of Southeast, you know, Asian descent, let alone uh, a blended family, let alone a woman who kept her name, let alone, you know, married to a nice Jewish mensch who gave up his career to, uh, you know, support his powerful wife. Like there's a lot of firsts so many, in there. So yeah. many things. A and speech, I, you know, let alone a, 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 a uh, HBC, uh, <laughs> I can't even, uh, a Howard university grad. Yep. Wait, no. Am I right? Oh God. I don't want to I thought she was. Hold on. Let's not be wrong on this. <laughs> uh, HBCU grad. I can say that for sure. Uh, yep. Kamala Harris. I thought it was Howard. Yes. 
thank you. It was Howard. I'm oh, not. I'm just yeah. so tired. I don't want to be wrong. Also, uh, uh, Wikipedia has already updated her title to pre- Vice President Elect. I love Wikipedia. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, of course. Nobody's messing around. Of course. Of and course. if you ask Alexa, she'll tell you that too. So I, you know, I have to say, I don't know if either of you have watched either at the time or yet uh, last night's kind of, you know, for all intents and purposes, acceptance speech. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Biden was great. He was his usual self. He had the same messages. He was inspiring. But Kamala ruled that show. She was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I heard him mention that this, a lot of people didn't watch the the vice, the VP debate. They didn't really pay attention to a lot of the primaries and things like that. So, you know, and not being from California, you know, most of the nation is not from California as right. much as California sometimes thinks they are the nation. Hello. I, I, I say that with love having grown up there. Um, a lot of people last night's address when she introduced Joe Biden, her 15, 20 minute speech or whatever it was, was the first time they first got time. to see her and hear her voice and hear her talk. Yes. Yes. And I think it was Dana Bash that said that last night. And that just blew my fucking mind because <laughs> it, right. Can, can you imagine? And the pictures, I love the pictures. I saw one posted this morning of, um, uh, African-American reverend. And I, I assume this was his daughter standing in front of the TV, watching her at the speech, mm-hmm. like three feet away from it, just enthralled. Yep. I'm like, Oh my God, that, that is such a beautiful image. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's really, really awesome. Uh, I know it. I really like the laser light show. It brought me back to Pink <gasps> Floyd at the Museum uh, of Natural History when we would all get super duper high and go to the laser light show. No, drones. That was yeah. freaking drones. I know. I know. How cool. freaking cool was that? So Edward didn't watch the speech, and I didn't think that I was going to get him interested in watching it. But as soon as they brought the drones out, I'm like, Edward, 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 you got to see this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The drones were cool. The fireworks were cool. Um, the car hop thing was very Joe Biden in a weird way, like that this pandemic happened mm-hmm. and it was like a car hop really fit. I don't know. And it spread. Look, we did we did the celebration in our cars. You know, uh, people have been celebrating from their cars, every, birthdays, graduations, everything. And this just seemed like the perfect way to do it. And I really um, I was really happy. Yeah, I don't know. I like that I really a lot. Happy. I I was a little stressed when I was seeing everybody getting together because even with masks in these crowded celebrations that you were seeing, you know, like the masks fall down. People were pulling their masks down to yell, which is the exact opposite thing that you should be doing when you're yelling. But I get it. People are just so excited and most people are not as holed up in their homes as I am during all of this. Yes. So, yeah. I, I'm. Well, I would love to see when eventually we're going to have studies on how much the pandemic actually affected the presidential race. Oh God! And I think there's that. yeah, there's there's going to be so many different studies about it, and they're going to come to so many different conclusions. I think. I I I don't want to sound callous when I say this, but if if it turns out that the pandemic is what 
was the final nail in in the Trump presidency. Like that's got to be the only silver lining of this whole pandemic thing. But at least there's that. <laughs> I mean, they're gonna have like 2020 studies at College of the Future, you know? Oh yeah, like <laughs> and not the distant oh, future, like 2024. There's gonna be curriculum on 2020. Yeah, we're gonna be studying this forever. I mean, like we had a, a, a tragedy of national proportions that is unimaginable and really clearly unimaginable since nobody seems to be able to wrap their blinking head around it, right. myself right. included. Like helmed by someone that doesn't give a shit. Right. And so we are going to have to find a way to comprehend sadness at scale real soon. The the president caught it and then said he was touched by God in healing him after yeah. getting every drug cocktail that science has any clue might help it. Like yeah, just the yeah. the science the scientific misgivings there are just enormous, and it's just it shows everything about Trump that you need to know. And well, I want you know I, I want to be really clear on this. I am not anti-Republican. I am anti-Trumplican. Yeah, like it, very. Trump was my my uh, single issue for voting this year. Well, so here's my thing. I I want to say. I mean, I'm a registered Democrat. I used to be a registered Republican. At some point in my life, I switched parties. But I, you know, what. What I have a problem with, and maybe it's Trump who has fanned it beyond where it's ever been, but all I hear from Republican officials is hate and anger and vitriol, and I am exhausted by it. Yeah. And so, you know, it's easy to say, oh, I'm just against Trump, but how are people not just done with all of the anger, enough with the yelling and the anger, get together and fucking talk. Yeah. yeah. People have been trying, but how do you get together and talk with someone who's in a cult? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's right. the problem. I, and yeah. also, I mean, look, there's a lot of problems. So we could spend a whole nother podcast talking about this, but like the bottom line is, is that there is an, I mean, we all know this, the three of us, especially like there is just an entire different universe of information flowing to one side of the political spectrum as the other. They very rarely overlap. Yep. yep. I need to watch the social dilemma. Actually, that's something Edward and I want to see desperately. I mean, we're Same. borderline speciating at this point based on yeah. information. People are dying because it's based on different information. Like, <laughs> Which is I, I, just, heard, I heard on Marketplace right. yesterday that uh, Friday, I, I, heard, I listened to it yesterday, but it was Friday's uh, uh, Make Me Smart, um, that Q has been silent since the election. Right. And the day after that, the CEO of 4chan resigned. Something mm -hmm. to that effect. So, mm -hmm. and 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 if you if you're not aware, that's the the primary outlet for the QAnon uh, rhetoric. Oh for, no, was he Q to get engagement? Is this the theory? <laughs> I, I, I you know it's I'm I just hope it all. I I hope the the cult of QAnon understands that it was all false promises and illegitimate ideation. 
and can at least some of them can be recovered because it was Jeez, I hope. Jeez, I hope. Meanwhile, we still have, pe- have people who believe the earth is flat. We could go on and spin out of control yeah. about this for hours. But Richard so needs I a shower. <laughs> I, I really need to shower. I'm just sitting here stewing in my own sweat. And I think we should probably wrap up with some closing thoughts. Okay. Uh, my thought is uh, I'm, I can already feel my stomach getting agitated again. And I hope I'm not going to throw up again just by talking about politics. Maybe I'm just yarking out politics until <laughs> the end of days. Like I just need to clear my system of politics or I should stop eating donuts. No, that, that's not. A... <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you know me at all? Donuts, eliminating donuts from the diet is not an option. I, I have yeah, done I it. It is possible. It's but mine but, neither. But it isn't right. You're not sitting <laughs> well. I'll tell you that. <laughs> all right, Richard. Yeah, for me, I think this is. I feel a great sense of relief, but one of the things that has really bothered me is. Again, on social media, seeing people kind of, you know, sticking it to the Republicans, Eh, eh, you know, the taunting and the, you know, cry, cry now, conservative or whatever, you know, trying to make fun of the things that they would throw at us. And we are not going to get anywhere if we do this. We are not going to be successful if we just kind of look at this as an opportunity to get back at the other party. We, we have to unite. We have to talk to each other and, and help people understand why so many American citizens are, were, and still are disaffected by the society that they live in. Well, that's a whole nother podcast. Cause I have a lot of thoughts, but I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to say <laughs> Um, I, I will just say to Richard's point that the the insult argument will never be won by Democrats, and it's really I'm gonna I'm gonna come out really bad here, but I don't care because I believe wholeheartedly it's true. The intelligent jokes, intelligent arguments that the left has against certain people on the right are they they take a cerebral idea like process to understand. But the petty shit that comes out of the right against the left, it's everybody easy. Can. Everybody can understand it. It's yep. funny, even yep. even when there's only an ounce of truth in it. And it's at that third grade, and all of us still laugh. We're all in our 40s or whatever. We all still laugh when we hear those third grade jokes about poop. Like, and that's, <laughs> it, it, it just, it's because it's quick, it's easy, it's funny. I will say, as to my personal feelings, as a veteran with PTSD, as a politically aware individual, as a person that has uh, political beliefs on both sides of the spectrum, um, this, like last night was the first night of real, genuine, restful sleep mm-hmm. that was not aided by certain chemicals that I've had since Trump took office. Mm -hmm. Wow. And 
I don't know if that's going to affect my daily life, but holy shit, it has affected my sleep. And I'm just grateful that that's good. That these this anarchist piece of shit is no longer going to be in charge of our troops that he doesn't care about. Mm-hmm. In charge of like he's not going to be my my wife's boss because she's still in the military, and he's not going to be the person negotiating with fascists and dictators, mm-hmm. and just the scum of politics. That has just there's just so much better. My outlook on life and 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 country and my own patriotism is just so much healthier today than it was. 36 hours ago. Yeah. Amen. I think that's a good ending point. Yeah. At Jenny J 23 at Richard Gunther and at Ethan Kane on Twitter. We will catch you next time. Something catches us later. <laughs>